How do? Ian Spoonsense Crawford here. Think once, think twice, think fork spoon and knife. I'm the UK's number one cutlery safety expert and I'm here to raise the profile of steel, share my passion for health and safety, in particular the safe use of cutlery. Thanks for all the support and for following and sharing the podcast. The audience of this Cutlery Safety Spoon Sense podcast continues to expand almost as rapidly as this great universe of ours. Thanks also to our main sponsor, the Tallahassee Bagel Company. If you love bagels, you will love the fresh taste of Tallahassee bagels, now under new management and with a new improved recipe. Forget more bang for your buck, they guarantee more sweet-tasting bagel. (laughs) Anyway up, I've been asked recently about my career and how I became such an expert in the field of cutlery. Good question. So, follow me back in time a little. Back to my teenage years. My friends were filling in their applications to study science, accountancy, history and English at university. Hey, as I said to Emily in the sixth form common room one day, what do you want to study English for? If you can't speak it and can't write it by the time you're 18, what hope is there? (laughs) They all applied through the application system known as UCAS, but I was delaying my application as I wasn't sure. And then fate fell into my lap one day. I was on the top deck of the number 73 bus and I saw an abandoned copy of Steel and Iron Monthly, a magazine that was there sat waiting on the seat next to me. It was a trade magazine aimed at those working in the metal industry with a clear focus on iron-based metallurgy. As many of you may know, the main constituent of steel is iron and its chemical symbol, of course, is F-E. Therefore, You might imagine, and forgive me for this, you might imagine the best place to study steel and iron and cutlery is your local FE college. Get it? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. That would be nice, but no. In that magazine, I saw an advert that said, Wanted students to study iron, steel and cutlery at the new educational institution in Sheffield, sponsored by the Steel and Cutlery Manufacturers Allied Trades Industries and Guilds Association, Sakmatiaga for short. And that's when I knew what I wanted to do with my life. Before I knew it, I was arriving for my first day at the Sakmatiaga Cutlery College, and it was fresh as week. <laughs> what a week we had. On our second day there, uh, would you believe, in the evening, we had to dress up as a cutlery-based item and drink half a pint of beer in each of the three pubs in the local area. Well, I'm telling you, as I knocked back that second half, dressed as a fork, and I stumbled towards the third pub, the Goose and Gander, the fresh air of the early autumn caught me, and I chuckled to myself, giddy on ale and high on life. Unfortunately, Steve, one of our fellow students, who dressed as a teaspoon, <laughs> he couldn't handle the beer or the excitement of Freshers Week, and he was last seen bent double, depositing the contents of I don't know what into a bus shelter. Never mind one lump or two, there were hundreds. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we survived the night, and the friends I made that week were friends throughout the programme of study. At least until the big incident later on. If this was a film, we could cut to a montage of some things we got up to at Cutlery College. Maybe a mix of classroom-based serious study of each and every cutlery item you can think of. Some clips of us eating, laughing 
and maybe cycling with our university college scarves blowing in the wind. Maybe cycling alongside a lady friend on a bike with a basket. And of course, some clips of studying late into the night for our cutlery knowledge test at the end of each semester. People often ask me, what's the difference between a term and a semester? And the answer is that nobody is actually sure. I think a term is usually one of three time periods across the academic year, maybe winter, spring and summer terms, for example, whereas semester is used to confuse things and to sound a bit posher. Anyway, we studied all sorts. We studied mainly teaspoons, forks and the butter knife in our first year. We also learnt the formula for the number of prongs on a fork. That is, if P equals prongs, or tines, and G equals gaps, then P equals G plus 1. The great thing with this formula is that if you have any fork, real or imaginary, you can work out the prongs if you know the number of gaps. Look, let me test you. Imagine a fork. When you count the gaps between the prongs, you count 16 gaps. Now, the question is, dear listener, how many prongs are there? The answer, of course, is... Da, 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 it's 17. I hope you got that one right. But also, of course, you can go the other way around if you rearrange the formula to give you P minus 1 equals G. Now, imagine a fork with 57 prongs. How many gaps are there? That's right. Did you get it? 56. <laughs> hey, here is something. I tried to catch our tutor out. Forkhead Fanshaw, as we called him, our professor of cutlery. I asked him one day, I put up my hand, trying to be clever, and I asked him, Sir, Professor Fanshaw, if I had a fork with just one prong, how many gaps would it have? Well, I'll never forget, he stared at me for quite a while, and then said in his booming voice, Crawford, are you an idiot? Have you learned nothing in your time here at Cutlery College? What sort of fork has only one prong? That's not a fork. It's a metal pick or a metal stick. Everyone in the whole lecture theatre erupted with laughter and I felt like a real fool. The shame and embarrassment of that moment has lived with me ever since. But Fanshawe wasn't all bad. He scored me very highly in my final practical assessment, cutlery arrangement, usage and recognition. That was the final exam. All my hours of revision and practice with my own personal set of cutlery paid off in the end. He said my cutlery polish, positioning and separation was some of the best he'd ever seen. I'll tell you what, I left Cutlery College with a distinction and, for being the student of the year, I was awarded the rare Golden Fork Trophy that I still have on my mantelpiece above the fireplace. I won't tell you how many prongs it has, but I will tell you it has three gaps. <laughs> you know, it was in my second year at the college that something strange happened, and I've never really told anyone. We'd been out on a night in the local town, and we'd been getting merry on what we called cutlery cocktails. It was our own concoction. We had a fork in good measure of vodka, a tablespoon of rum, and a dollop of freshly squirted cream levelled off with a butter knife. We must have had two, or maybe even three. That night is still a blur. Now, whenever I try to tell anyone or think about this spooky tale, they uh, always assume it must have been the alcohol. But trust me, I know what I saw. I lay on my bed, trying to get to sleep, 
with one leg on the floor and the room and my bed spinning around in a drunken whirl, when all of a sudden fear hit me and I sobered up in an instant. Because there, tapping on the window, was a white glowing teaspoon. Not plastic, but more of a ghostly metallic glow. Everyone laughs when I mentioned this, and when I mentioned it the next day, nobody took me seriously. But Professor Fanshaw, he overheard me and he called me into the office. So, Crawford, he said, I hear you've been telling everyone you've been seeing the ghostly apparition of a spoon. Tell me something, he said, leaning towards me. Did it have any distinguishing marks? Uh, no, I replied, uh, not really. Not really. Either it did or it didn't, he said. And I told him. I'd seen a small crest made up of two entwined forks. That's when he turned almost as ghostly pale and as white as the white teaspoon I'd seen. He then went on to tell me that crest I described was the original college crest from before the modernisation in the 1950s. And this proved I must be telling the truth. He told me that this was a ghostly apparition of a long-buried teaspoon and I should see it as perhaps a good sign that the spooky spoon had chosen me to appear in front of. It turned out he was right, or at least partly right. Looking back now, I realised that the spoon was trying to warn me about something terrible that was going to happen. Yes, you see, exactly two weeks after that apparition, they found one of our fellow students, a young friendly chap by the name of Stevie Stevenson, they found him on his front, on top of his bed, with a butter knife stabbed in between his shoulder blades. And yes, you've guessed it, he was dead. They never found the murderer. There were plenty of possibilities, and staff, students from the college were all interviewed, and they even followed up with a few inquiries amongst some of the neighbouring properties next door to the college. But the police found nothing, and they drew a blank. <laughs> The national press got hold of it and the headlines about the cutlery killer made us all feel a bit more nervous and cautious where we went. Many of us took to keeping a fork or a teaspoon in our pockets for defence. But when the next month, full moon came round, once again, I saw the ghostly teaspoon at the window, a tap, tap, tapping. I knew this was not a good sign. And as I dined in the communal dining hall, the night after this second apparition. I looked around, wondering who the next victim would be. I tried to warn friends and anyone who would listen, but they didn't take me seriously, and sure enough, exactly two weeks later, I was awoken by a blood-curdling scream. That's when we found Mary Mariusson, dead in her room, lying face down on the carpet, not breathing, with a fork stabbed into her neck. Well, everyone got jumpy. The press and the reporters descended, the police did their best, but still, the murderer could not be found. I began to wonder if the cutlery killer was not of this world, and maybe it was an evil force or spirit. What else could it be, I puzzled. And then again, just a few nights after this, I saw the ghostly white glowing spoon tap, tap, tapping on the window of my bedroom once more. It didn't speak, but it scratched out a message, a message I'll never forget as long as I live. In the dirt and moisture on the outside of the window, it said, 
Crawford. You are next. Well, you know what? My blood ran cold. I figured out that the first murder was a butter knife, the second murder had been a fork, and the third murder was therefore likely to be by spoon. And just as this thought dawned on me, I looked up, and there was a crash as the window broke. The glowing spoon entered my room. But that's when I realised it was a metal spoon taped to the end of a long pole. The spoon had been painted in a luminous paint. Just as I was taking this in, the person holding the pole crawled in through the window. It was none other than Stevie Stevenson. But, but I thought you were murdered by the butter knife a few weeks ago, I said. I was, he laughed. Or he was, he said ominously. You see... That was my identical twin brother, Stevie Stevenson, that was murdered. I'm the other twin, Stefan Stevenson. You see, my identical twin, Stevie, went away to Cutlery College, but left me at home. He hardly kept in touch, apart from the odd postcard with a picture of a spoon, or knife, or fork. Well, pardon my language, but I don't give a fork about cutlery, or the cutlery college students. I had been abandoned by my own identical twin. He cast me aside, like an old one-use plastic spoon or fork. Just then, there was a crash and my bedroom door was flung open. There in the doorway was Professor Fanshaw. Stand back, Crawford. I've got this, he boomed. As the lightning outside flashed, did I mention the howling wind, rain and thunderstorm? Oh yes, it was all very dramatic. As the lightning flashed, I could see Fanshawe lit up larger than life, and in his hand he had the ceremonial fork torn down from the Cutlery College dining hall wall. Come one step closer and you will be pronged. And trust me, with four gaps, this special five-pronged fork will finish you off good and proper, said Fanshawe. But the evil twin took his chance, and in the darkness he lunged forward and pulled the giant fork from Fanshawe's grip, holding it aloft. I could see now his silhouette in the window, the five sharp prongs destined to deliver instant death, murder and mayhem to Fanshawe and myself, as we now cowered against the wall and waited for our fate. Just one thing you may have forgotten, Stefan. Fanshawe shouted above the roar of the storm outside. Oh, yeah? Playing for time, old man, are you? screamed back Stefan. No, <laughs> Fanshawe laughed. Why are you laughing? You're about to be my next victim, Stefan demanded. Oh, it's just that with that fork held so high and the window open, you are putting yourself in great danger. He never got to finish his sentence. Right on time and with the brightest flash followed by the loudest bang and the smell of sizzling bacon and roast pork, lightning struck the fork and Stefan was sizzled, boiled, broiled, barbecued and burnt to a crisp all in a fraction of a second. His body, blackened and burned, just crumbled into a pile of charred remains and the red-hot ceremonial fork, still glowing with hither heat, twirled and twizzled on its handle before falling with a crack and a sizzle to the floor. I looked at Professor Fanshawe, and I thanked him. Thank you for saving my life, Professor, I said. Not a problem, he said. Anyway, 
Don't thank me. Thank the conductive property of the ceremonial giant five-pronged steel alloy fork. We'll be saying a lot more about the conductivity of metal alloys in our lectures next week. See you in class first thing on Monday morning, Crawford, and don't be late. And with that, Professor Fanshawe swept out of my room, my cutlery college saviour and hero. I tell you what, you can say what you want, but in that moment, I knew that having experienced the deadly dangers of cutlery and how it can kill as well as save lives, depending on how you use it, I knew from that moment on, I wanted to dedicate my life to warning people about the dangers of cutlery. Now, if this was a film, we would probably cut to a long shot of the college in the dark and rain with the lights on. A few police cars would be coming up the drive. The front car would stop and a detective in a raincoat would get out and stride towards the front door and the credits would roll. I always like the ending to Shrek when all the characters have a dance and celebration to the uh, I'm a Believer song. Maybe, maybe the final scene could be me and Fanshawe and the other students all dancing on the long dining room tables, singing away. I mean, after all, I thought murder was only true in scary tales, meant for someone else, but not for me. Death and murder was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Dangerous cutlery haunted all my dreams. Then I saw his face in the window. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace of doubt in my mind. I was saved by Fanshawe. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave cutlery college if I tried. <laughs> uh, that would be a good ending. But that would be an ending to a fictional film or story. Whereas, dear listener, what you've been listening to, this is no story. How, How do, do I, I know? Because, because it's it happened, happened to me. That's it for this podcast. Please take care of yourself and others. Please think once, think twice, think fork, spoon and knife. Hey, stay safe. But most of all, Stay cutlery safe. <laughs>